Hello, you're listening to the MyCare Champion Cast. I'm your host, Brian Peters, CEO of the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. Each month, we invite industry experts and thought leaders to discuss relevant healthcare issues. Join us as we explore key topics that affect Michigan hospitals, health systems, and the health of our communities. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the MHA My Care Champion Cast. This is the first episode of our new MHA program year, and we'll spend it discussing the priorities that are top of mind for the MHA, our Board of Trustees, and our member hospitals and health systems. We have a very special guest and colleague of mine joining us today, Tony Denton. Some of you may know him as Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of University of Michigan Health and Michigan Medicine. But we're also very fortunate to have Tony serving on the MHA Executive Committee as our current chair of the MHA Board of Trustees. Tony has a long history working in healthcare, from human resources to administrative operations. He's worked on master program and facility planning, capital investments, workforce planning and execution, environmental sustainability, social determinants of health, and programs that create positive community impact. Tony serves on state, national, and community boards, and was recently the chair of our MHA Political Action Committee, also known as Health PAC, that raised more than $400,000 toward advocating for communities and healthcare organizations. Now, Tony's dedication to this work continues to have a very positive impact on healthcare in Michigan, and it's been a real privilege to work alongside him. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. Well, Tony, let's jump right into it. Uh, can you provide our listeners with a brief COVID-19 status update uh, there at Michigan Medicine? Um, sure. Uh, we continue to be actively engaged in providing care for COVID patients uh, across our hospitals, um, although it certainly is modest compared to the, to the peak activities. We're at about 35 patients or so, mostly adult, with around five pediatric patients in our Mott Children's Hospital. Most of the patients today are residing in a non-ICU setting, um, so the hospitalizations are much milder relative to the acuity from the past. But we've been holding steady at this number at around 35 for the last several weeks. Well, it's certainly good to hear that uh, we're trending in the right direction, and I think that's uh, consistent with what we're hearing across the membership. So we'll We'll certainly hope that uh, that continues. So, Tony, with a new MHA program, you're now in full swing, and we have a new MHA strategic action plan that's been approved by our Board of Trustees. Can you talk about some of your goals as our current MHA Board Chairman? My goals are clearly aligned with the strategic action plan that our Board of Trustees uh, endorsed at our meeting uh, this past August uh, following our meeting in June uh, on Mackinac Island. Uh, we need to continue to be focused on issues related to financial viability, uh, workforce development, health equity, behavioral health, developing community trust with an intentional communication strategy. I emphasize communication strategy because so much has happened, so much has changed uh, because of the pandemic. And there are many priorities in our state and national legislatures that require advocacy at a different level. We have to change the narrative. And so we understand the what in terms of what we need to do, but the how with regards to how we communicate it 
and help people to understand the issues in healthcare are top of mind for me as I think about how we uh, execute on the strategies that have been endorsed by the Board of Trustees. So I think that we have to do that as well to create or restore trust and confidence in healthcare because we have seen the roller coaster of emotion and uh, lack of trust because of all the emotional issues that have affected our communities. And so we have to take a step back to uh, recalibrate and reassess how we regain that trust through not only what we do, but how we make people feel about what it is we deliver. Well, that's a fantastic uh, answer, Tony. And you've really uh, been uh, front and center on this notion of telling our story. That's a phrase that uh, certainly we've adapted here at MHA. And uh, we really believe it is more important than ever. So from your perspective, uh, when we think about the decision makers here in Lansing and certainly at the federal level out in Washington, D.C., why is it so important now that we tell that story so that um, they understand how important it is to continue the support of hospitals and health systems, even as there's this perception that COVID uh, has uh, curtailed and, and uh, has become much more manageable? I think it's important maybe to think about where we were before the pandemic. And certainly workforce shortages are top of mind uh, for all of the healthcare leaders. Um, and we're seeing shortages uh, which will have an impact on access to care. It'll lead to delays in care. And so we need to think critically as a nation about how we um, address future needs for patients of the future. Uh, we don't want to be in an upside down situation where it causes adverse impact uh, because we don't have enough human capacity uh, to address these issues of need. Um, the pandemic made it worse. People have left the industry, uh, causing us to have to figure out how to replace uh, as the demand for patient care grows. So the issues have actually doubled up. And so being able to gain the attention and recognition um, from those who provide uh, financial support through decisions made um, or policies that are adopted becomes critical. Because I believe in my heart, and I guess it's not too uh, imaginative, but we're all going to be patients at some point. And we're going to want to have the talented resources available to take care of us when we need them. And that's why it's so important for us to be able to cause legislators to hear what we're saying because it affects all of us and that includes the communities that they represent. Absolutely. On this subject, Tony, uh, as talking about uh, healthcare uh, staffing, we know that this is such a, a critical issue right now. And as you know, we were successful earlier this year in securing a $300 million special appropriation uh, to support uh, healthcare staff here in the state of Michigan, particularly in our member hospitals and health systems. But can you talk a bit about what specific efforts are underway there at Michigan Medicine uh, that really support your efforts to attract and retain healthcare talent? We're engaged in a number of initiatives and activities with a goal to retain talented staff, uh, which um, includes various compensation initiatives. We're engaged in uh, partnership and collaboration with educational institutions to recruit new uh, professionals who are in training programs today. Uh, we just recently had a career job fair 
actually, uh, at Michigan Football Stadium uh, this past weekend uh, to start to have those meaningful conversations about who might choose to pursue their careers here. The conversation with educational institutions uh, is about um, trying to inspire students to consider healthcare as a choice. Um, So we are putting out what I'm calling a full court press to try to help people see the the value of rewarding careers in healthcare so that we have a way to try to regenerate pipelines that have become a bit dry um, because people have more choices about what they might do and because of the uh, confidence impact that I mentioned earlier that I think people have have digested uh, because of um, the pandemic. We're going to continue to do all of those things, um, but I think the important part here is collaboration, Brian, um, because uh, we are providers of care, but we need educational institution to help enable and to bring students into the mix in order to be employees of the future. Uh, so it really is going to require partnership and understanding of the connections between the two. Absolutely. And, you know, that partnership concept is so uh, important, I think, in this space and, and beyond. But when I think about um, the healthcare uh, talent pipeline, and we know this is an issue that's, uh, that's long term and, and won't be solved in, in the immediate term, you know, you have a, a bit of a different situation than most of our members uh, in the, the fact that uh, you're co-located there with a, a major medical school, a nursing school. You have those uh, great resources uh, that uh, are part of the University of Michigan. And so I have to believe that, you know, you really have a, uh, an inside-the-tent view of what some of those emerging uh, efforts are related to that healthcare pipeline. Certainly in our nursing school, uh, we're able to recruit nurses uh, readily upon graduation. Um, we have uh, a talented pool of, of nurses um, who also have aspirations for going other places after being in Ann Arbor for a few years. Uh, so we have to be uh, mindful, but we certainly do provide um, field placements for nursing students, for allied health programs across the state, outside of the state, to give um, students in training opportunity uh, to be exposed uh, to Michigan medicine, um, for them to evaluate us and for us to evaluate them as potential employees of the future. Uh, I would also add that uh, when I talk about building trust and confidence uh, in the patient community to seek care, that trust and confidence of future employees is as important. Um, And that's for recruitment as well as for retention. And so as we think about um, the mental health, the fatigue, the burnout, the frustration, uh, that is also top of mind for us to um, be very intentional to communicate as openly as we can about the resources that are available, um, because during the pandemic, for certain, we all have experienced uh, all of those symptoms and to recognize those and make sure that people have what they need uh, is essential for their health and well-being, but also for their retention um, and to be able to continue to provide valuable service to our patients in support of our mission. 
Well, it's an incredibly important topic and one that we hear uh, everywhere we go uh, throughout the uh, the state. So uh, with that in mind, Tony, are there things that you're doing there uh, at Michigan Medicine to to help uh, your frontline caregivers feel safe, both mentally and physically? Are there things that that you've learned that uh, perhaps our listeners could uh, benefit from hearing? Um, Consistent with initiatives within our state, our association, as well as the American Hospital Association, uh, there's an initiative called Hospitals Against Violence, which is a recognition that increasingly so, healthcare workers are exposed um, to all that's going on in society, and that includes increased violence, um, emotional uh, disturbance, um, once again, exacerbated by the pandemic, where we've seen a significant increase in employee harm. Um, healthcare uh, industry tends to see four to five times number of employee harm events relative to other industries. Um, so we've been engaged in a, a workplace violence prevention program. Um, it's really an enhancement of our existing programs, but it uh, makes the uh, issues more front and center with de-escalation training, recognition of situations as they might arise, um, a way to alert others to provide support and help. So it really is focusing on uh, situational awareness um, and communications in a way that keeps people safe. And so we've rolled that out across our organization as one of our key commitments as we think about safety being a high priority each and every day. Uh, We also offer um, services for counseling And we make those known in a visible way, in a frequent basis, um, so that if anyone might have a need to call out, uh, there's a way for them to do so through our Office of Workplace Counseling and Resilience. We have also created what we call recharge rooms. These are special spaces around the facilities. If people feel frustrated or burned out or just need to rest and respite to get away from it all, there's a quiet place with music, Um, opportunity to meditate as needed um, so you can breathe. Um, So we do that and and many other uh, things um, to reinforce the the value that we place on our people and to try to make the environment as flexible and um, attractive as possible, uh, given the challenges that we all face every day in healthcare. Tony, those were great insights. Thank you for sharing. Let's switch gears for a moment and thinking about the long-term sustainability of the healthcare ecosystem. uh, Certainly, we have an aging population uh, here in Michigan that's going to demand more care. And at the same time, uh, you have a world-class facility there at the University of Michigan that has for many years attracted patients from throughout the state and throughout the country and beyond. So with that in mind, one of the ways that you're addressing that long-term sustainability is by breaking ground on the pavilion at University of Michigan Health, which is a 12-story hospital with 264 private patient rooms. What led you to this project, and what are some of the key considerations as construction continues? We've had a history of high occupancy uh, across our hospitals uh, for patients locally, uh, regionally, and statewide. And uh, with that high occupancy, uh, comes a lot of transfers from other healthcare organizations to us to support the complex care needs that patients present. And we, back in 2007, 
We had 800 licensed medical surgical beds. Uh, with high occupancy provisions under the state certificate of need, we've continued to qualify for incremental licenses because we have continued to see demand increase. Uh, today, we're standing at about 1,000 licensed medical surgical beds uh, with continued high occupancy. So our growth objectives are based off of our need to continue to provide access to care for patients around the state. We have been planning uh, expansion of our complex for, for some time now to be responsive uh, to the increased demand uh, for patient care. So the project that we're speaking to now is called the Pavilion at University of Michigan Health. And as you noted, it's a program that includes 264 beds, uh, 20 operating rooms, three interventional radiology suites, and other diagnostic um, support services uh, particularly in um, specialty imaging. Um, and we believe that we need to continue to increase our complex care capacity um, because that is one of our um, areas of expertise from our faculty and our staff um, who are quite talented in that space. Um, but it also, it's a resource. It's part of our, our goal, certainly, to be uh, continually recognized as a community asset and I say that with a capital C, given the reach of Michigan Medicine, University of Michigan Health. Um, and so that's what we are endeavoring uh, to do. In terms of the um, sustainability aspect here, from an environmental perspective, um, we are committed and have been for over 25 years uh, to environmental stewardship and sustainability, understanding that a lot of energy is required to deliver that care to save lives and cause healing to occur. And so with that, we have a significant program that speaks to uh, recycling, reusing, reprocessing, reducing waste um, so that the, uh, the byproduct of our care process is as uh, minimally, minimally impactful on the environment as possible. The pavilion project, we are striving to seek and achieve lead platinum status. That's leadership and energy efficient design. And platinum would be one of the highest levels available that shows a commitment to trying to decarbonize the healthcare sector. Um, and for us in healthcare, it really is a balance. There are requirements that we have under um, safety or infectious disease standards and regulations that we have to satisfy but at the same time, we're trying to be as energy efficient as possible to use construction materials that are friendly to the environment to uh, add on to what we have been doing so that we can continue to role model uh, our aims to protect the planet as well as to protect the patients. That's fantastic. And as you know, Tony, we've had a, a green healthcare committee here at the MHA for many years. Uh, actually earned an award from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency many years ago for our work to uh, replace mercury thermometers with digital thermometers, and uh, more recently uh, have achieved buy-in from the MHA Board of Trustees on our uh, green roadmap. Uh, it's so fascinating and, and uh, rewarding to see what's happening there on the U of M campus in Ann Arbor, as you just described, where uh, those uh, parameters are really uh, coming into reality in terms of doing the right thing from an environmental sustainability perspective. So again, uh, congratulations uh, to you for your leadership 
on that front. Again, let's switch gears and talk about something that I know both you and I are, are very passionate about, uh, and that is the issue of health equity. And this is so top of mind because you and I both uh, returned uh, just a couple of days ago from the annual Root Cause Coalition event. And uh, the Root Cause Coalition, uh, for our listeners, is a, a great organization that both uh, Michigan Medicine and the MHA have supported. And it's really involved in uh, the social determinants of health. But at this year's event, Tony, is uh, you're surely aware there was a real emphasis, a real focus on the issue of health equity. So with that in mind, uh, can you talk about your perspective on this very important issue and what we can do to continue uh, to improve uh, in the uh, domain of health equity? I think that uh, health equity is and has to be one of the top priorities for all leaders inside and outside of healthcare. And I, I say that because health equity is in many ways a byproduct of social inequity. The social determinants of health are issues that affect all of us um, that are basic necessities of living, whether it's um, housing, education, food, transportation, um, accessibility um, to needed services that uh, when they're not working in the right dimension can lead, can lead to a poverty cycle. As we know, our history in our country uh, includes lots of poverty. And so the opportunity to focus on health equity I think opens up the door to speaking and creating opportunity for new solutions about social inequity, uh, social determinants and political determinants of health that uh, causes us to try to understand how we can improve and advance the health of individuals and communities, uh, which is the, uh, the framework for the MHA. Um, so it's important to me uh, personally um, because underserved populations uh, is so heavily influenced by um, minorities, um, certainly the same for individuals who live in rural communities. As we think about accessibility to healthcare, that um, uh, if we do it right, once again, it allows everybody to be productive um, and to then create a basis for economic success. Um, so I think that uh, what's working, I think that there's greater acknowledgement today, uh, given the issues of social and civil unrest in the last uh, two and a half years with the, the George Floyd murders, uh, murder and other murders that followed that were so visible and live TV, um, the awakening in corporations across industries has been significant. Uh, there's been adoption of new pledges of commitment to address equity broadly. Um, I've seen changes in uh, philanthropy where um, friends of would be so willing to commit uh, to try to create a, a transformation um, locally as well as across our country uh, to try to, as I say, be on the right side of right. I think that um, this conversation 
is um, more people are more receptive to it now and are willing to self-reflect about their role and influence and the opportunity that they can take advantage of to keep the dialogue going so that we can try to find new solutions to old problems with regards to inequity. Um, so I think that all of those things are, are working um, and within awakenings certainly require sustainability of thought, sustainability of investment um, as we think about uh, whether there's receptivity to becoming more equitable because my concerns are that um, some might think that uh, to achieve equity means that it's taking away something from someone else. Um, and that's human behavior. Um, but it's something that we have to continue to tell the story about how equity can lead to community success, not community takeaway. And so that there's a there's a win-win when we talk about uh, all boats rising. And so I think those are really important reasons why this has to be a top priority for MHA but also in collaboration with other industries, as I mentioned, education, uh, business, government, transportation, housing, um, so that we can try to um, transform and create a new day um, that has long, long-term value for all of us. Absolutely. And I'm so uh, pleased to see uh, so many of our MHA member hospitals and health systems that have now completed the uh, health equity organizational uh, assessment so that they understand where their opportunities for improvement lie. And of course, uh, that follows on the heels of uh, having 100% of our member hospitals signing a pledge to address both racism and implicit bias that exists in Michigan healthcare. And so we're on that path, and it really is a uh, an, an honor to be a part of that that journey. And that's exactly what it is, because as you said, we need to collaborate and we need to commit to this over the long term. Uh, Tony, you're going to help kick us off on November 3rd here in Lansing at our Health Equity Summit. And that's going to be an event where we collaborate with others and, and hopefully shine a, a very bright light on, on these issues and continue that important work. One last a piece of this puzzle, when you think about uh, health equity, uh, and you think about an annual tradition called the Michigan Harvest Gathering. I know that food insecurity uh, is a passion of yours, and I know that um, there are populations within the state of Michigan uh, in many communities of the state where food insecurity is a particular challenge. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that and, and the Michigan Harvest Gathering campaign? Um, the Michigan Harvest Gathering campaign uh, is essential, um, and I think it's reflective of the challenges that our communities face um, for the most basic of necessities, which is food and nutrition, and how the linkage between food, nutrition, and overall health uh, is so vital uh, for our communities to be able to thrive. I've had a personal passion uh, for trying to address food insecurity. Um, actually, my wife, uh, Dr. Lori Pierce, uh, and I have uh, been engaged for, for many years. It made it a family project, actually, uh, to uh, create awareness and uh, understanding of the, the direct effects where um, communities in need, um, those that are hungry, 
uh, and or homeless uh, need a hand uh, in order that our communities can can thrive. Um, so we've sponsored food drives. Um, I've expanded that in the last few years, um, particularly because of the pandemic, uh, to have sponsorship uh, across Michigan Medicine. In the last two and a half years, we've held five food drives of raised uh, contributions equivalent to 309,000 meals. Um, I have recently announced, and it will soon be publicly released, our intent to achieve a 1 million meal goal um, so that we can understand that this is something that, unfortunately, Brian, um, it seems to have no end. Food insecurity in Washington County is 7% greater than it was before the pandemic. And so that's with employment going down and coming back and still there's uh, food insecurity as told to us by our community, many of which have expressed food insecurity for the first time in their lives. Now, enter the uh, effects of inflation over the last many months. It's made food prices go up and affordability worse. Um, and so the, the need for continued diligence and support uh, by many, including the Michigan Harvest Gathering, uh, just becomes essential. And we have to keep it up and keep it going um, until we can find other sustainable solutions. Absolutely. The need is greater now than it's ever been. I think you, you painted that picture uh, very, very accurately. Well, Tony, thinking about the uh, the next uh, number of months, uh, certainly you are going to continue uh, your chairmanship of the MHA until uh, the uh, the end of June of this coming year. And in that time frame, uh, what else uh, from your perspective uh, is coming down the tracks uh, for the MHA Board of Trustees and our membership? The telling our story uh, is going to be a key component of how successful we can be for all member hospitals. And so the key pillars of the strategic action plan for this year will continue to be top of mind. And we'll have to stay on course uh, to track our progress across all those pillars. So once again, um, a sustainable presence with regards to financial viability, workforce restoration, and well-being, behavior, behavioral health access, capacity, uh, and health equity. Um, this is going to be a journey. We know that with term limits, there will be new legislators uh, who will need to um, receive the best information we can provide to help them understand how healthcare is constructed and the value of all of our organizations as community assets. And with that, we take our job seriously to represent the needs of the community. Uh, so partnership and collaboration, um, seeking that out will continue to be a uh, high interest. Um, certainly with the, uh, uh, the elections coming up, uh, continuing to advocate for the, uh, the needs of healthcare, particularly around financial viability so that we can continue to, to support and deliver services to our community uh, will be uh, right up there. Uh, I would also say um, employee safety, the workplace violence challenges that we have that are reflections of society, those have to be front and center. We certainly can't deliver care successfully uh, in an environment where it's not safe or perceived to be unsafe. 
um, because that confidence and trust that our workforce has in leadership, um, in law enforcement, uh, in our in our laws, uh, just becomes so important so that people can do their best work, can express their ta- their talent uh, without fear uh, of injury or harm going to work. Uh, we have that as a commitment to not only our employees, uh, but to their families. Um, the goal for the day is to return home safe. Um, and I think that uh, those are foundational elements to support uh, important, accessible, timely, and safe health care. Absolutely. Well, Tony, to state the obvious, uh, these last few years have been unlike uh, any before uh, for those of us in healthcare. So, uh, to close on a personal note, I'm wondering uh, if you would just reflect as how you've changed as a leader uh, in the midst of this generational crisis that we've uh, confronted. That's uh, an excellent question. As I reflect on the last two and a half years, I tend to try to approach life in the world a day at a time, even though I have a a focus on a long-term lens from a strategic perspective. I think I've become even more appreciative for today, understanding all the lives that were lost, all the families that were affected, um, the providers that were affected, um, that it uh, has caused me to reflect on how how different I need to be as a leader, how much more intentional I need to be to be supportive, how much more intentional I need to be to ask, how are you doing? What can I do for you? In order to keep the team strong, to continue uh, providing the best service possible uh, in spite of the circumstances that we face. The changes though, Um, are made easier if you have a leadership style and approach um, that anticipates at any point in time there could be a crisis. In healthcare, there are many times a crisis. And so uh, galvanizing teams when when the world is good is so important for when things happen that you can get things done. So I have this saying of... uh, journey happens one day at a time Uh, because I believe that each day is a a a blessing and that we have the gift of time today uh, to try to do the best be the best we can be I call it do more be better as a way of measuring success for the day um, in the context of being a servant leader Uh, and to focus on the needs of others to provide what we can while we can uh, in order to make uh, it a better day for others that we serve. The pandemic reaffirmed that philosophy. Um, so I would say I've become even more ingrained uh, in that uh, way of thinking uh, in order to have us accomplish what we need to um, in a way that uh, expresses resilience. Um, resilience has been a key uh, attribute for me to consider how this is a marathon uh, and how we have to be 
uh, prepared to see the long game, um, understanding that we take a step at a time and we make progress over time. Um, and that, I think, is how we will achieve victory. Tony, I can tell you, uh, you have been a fantastic leader. Uh, Michigan Medicine is very fortunate to have you. The MHA is very fortunate to have you. Uh, For our listeners, uh, Tony delivered a presentation to our entire MHA staff uh, very recently that was so inspiring, so uplifting, uh, so positive. Really, the the, the glass-half-full analogy uh, that you delivered was spot-on and something that our team uh, really uh, enjoyed hearing. Uh, I am enjoying working with you as the MHA board chair, and I've enjoyed this session today. So we just can't thank you enough, Tony, for being with us and uh, look forward to continuing our important work together. Thank you, Brian. It's been a real pleasure. With that, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and encourage anyone who's interested in learning more about Michigan Medicine to head to uofmhealth.org. And as always, please visit mha.org as well. Thanks. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the My Care Champion Cast. To learn more or get involved, visit mycarematters.org. That's M-I-CareMatters.org.